daddy never cried He never shed a tear Had trouble showing love Forget about fear Hello and welcome to Daddy Never Cried, a podcast dedicated to sharing stories of our fathers. I'm Gary Best and I'm joined by Dr. Cindy Carter. Hi Cindy, how are you doing today? Hi Gary, I'm good. Just spent a little time out of doors, taking a nice walk in the sunshine, so all is well. Oh, it's a beautiful day in Southern California. We come from Ventura, California, but we're talking today with Pat Bardicat, a good friend of mine and very kind to join us on the show today. How are you doing today, Pat? Everything's great. I'm sharing the same weather. Yeah, yeah. You live down south of here a little bit, right? Right, South Orange County. All right. So, Pat, let's start. Tell us a little bit about yourself. I am 66 years old. I am a father of two, grandfather of one with one on the way. Grew up in Northern California. I spent most of my career in the oil business. I finished up as a president of the division that I ran for a fuel company in Southern California. Recently retired, recently being about a year and a half. And uh, anyway, that's about it. I like sports, uh, big sports fans, so forth. Got a great family, blessed with uh, a great wife and kids and grandkids. And I was also blessed with great parents and one sister. So that's kind of the rundown. Still trying to figure out what retirement's like exactly. It's been an interesting year, so maybe a little less active than we wanted to, but I've kept busy doing what I can't tell you. Yeah, this is an odd year to start retirement, isn't it? Right, Mm -hmm, definitely. So we're excited to learn a little bit about your father. What can you tell us about him? My dad was probably one of the nicest guys and most loved and warmest individuals you'll ever meet. And that's really measured by not only the way I, his family felt about him, but, you know, the way the number of friends that he had and bred and really kept through his whole life. I mean, they were still friends with, he really was just the most considerate, nicest uh, guy that uh, most people or many people ever met. And as he passed away a year and a half, uh, going on two years ago, the guys that he shared time with in his in his last years as an usher at his church and the Lions Club in his neighborhood little group and all that stuff. You really see what the riches that live in a life like that garnered for him. So that's kind of a little bit of a summary of my dad. He, he too was a lifelong oil industry guy. At the end of his career, he actually ran his own little uh, distribution company the last 10 years of his life. And he retired at about 70, I think. And then like I said, we lost him a year and a half ago at 87. So, Pat, in the same way that you say he was friendly and warm with the community, he enjoyed good social relationships, would you say he also had that kind of a warm relationship with you? Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, a couple of the team up things were, did we have any conflict or resolutions and that sort of thing? We had a great relationship. We were different guys. I mean, I think hopefully I've evolved to have a lot of his, the traits that I described, but my dad was a handy guy and I was a sports guy and, and they didn't really intersect particularly. My dad coached, he didn't know very much about baseball, but he was an assistant coach. He came to like sports because that's what his son liked or whatever. So I didn't you know, we as far as uh, conflict or stuff, I think probably more of the discipline as a child was probably left up more to my mom. And when my dad would get involved, it, it me and my mom had tapped out. She couldn't even handle it or something. And, and he was not a strict disciplinarian by any means, but uh, he was very reasonable. 
I remember going to a couple of Raider games with your dad and mom and they were just a fun couple and friendly yeah. and took me in like I was their son. And it was just, just a fun, fun time to hang around with you guys. Yeah, very much so. I mean, the kids, when we were growing up, the folks love it having the kids over and, the, and I think more than most of the other kids' houses, they, they like being at our house too. Cause the, the folks uh, were just like that. My mom was, my mom was the worrier of that pair. And my dad was the kind of, I don't know about happy-go-lucky, but certainly the, the glasses half full uh, kind of guy or like totally full kind of guy. So yeah, they enjoyed being around. One of the traits that I, I think you mentioned that might bear pointing out is that some of the bond that you shared with your dad happened in areas where he didn't necessarily have expertise, such as coaching. Right. He, he put himself out, in other words, to establish uh, or to open up avenues of relationship with you. Absolutely. I saw it as a parental responsibility, but absolutely. And that's one of the things that I, I can remember stories like my dad was really good, not as an auto mechanic, but just mechanically and putting things together and, and workbench and all that kind of stuff. And that remains foreign languages to me. I, if I need something done, I pay it because I usually wreck it. And, but I, I can remember my dad tried to teach me how to change the oil in a 57 Chevy we had. And I, I got under there. Okay. Put the screw back in or put the plug back in. And naturally I stripped it. And I said, dad, I don't know. It's, it keeps going around and around and around. And he said, God, and he had, he had like zero temper. And I just said that that was a, a perfect example of my skills that way. And the, the skills that he was really good at. On the other hand, like I said, coaching and stuff like that, he was the scout master and that fit his skill set well. It was handy. It was leadership and all that kind of stuff. The sports stuff was a little foreign to him, but he took me to games. And those are the kind of things that I kind of knew, you know, as a parent, that just the difference in that I was, I was prepared for an alternating because his dad was a sports guy too, an alternating sequence generationally. And by gosh, it couldn't come true. I couldn't love my son Shane more, but he was not an athletic guy. We wanted him involved in a couple of things, but so he played hockey a bit, but it was, it was kind of um, probably a little bit of lip service. Yeah. We kind of wanted him to do something, but we didn't make him do anything, but socially he's gotten into sports because, you know, his peers and stuff, a lot of guys are into sports, but he's not a guy that was born with it. And that's all he wanted to talk about and do as I was. So it, it, it came true. My son is, is more like my dad. I mean, as a baby, he could do Legos and go crazy. And, and I, I looked at him and go, here, you do it. You know, cause I, I wasn't my dad that way. Some of the things Shane got into, I just couldn't, I wasn't very good at, but I tried, but I wasn't as good as my dad at adapting. Let's put it that way. <laughs> well, I, that's a very, very good strategy. Cause I know from experience, if you uh, strip the, uh, threads on a oil pan of a 57 Chevy, he probably won't make you do it again. And believe me, that's yielded a lot of benefit in my marriage because my <laughs> wife didn't take long for her to get used to the fact that I can't do anything. So if she can't do it, we pay to have it done or we got buddies or we have buddies that come over and do it. Yeah, that's right. Uh, that's right. You got to know what you can do, what you can't. We call our show Daddy Never Cried. Did you ever see your dad cry much? Absolutely. And, and it's, I, you know, trying to fish for a few moments and I, I didn't have any defining stories, rather just a collection of anecdotes. And one that hit me, and I assume it, I must have been about five years old, it was when my great grandfather, who 
uh, was an immigrant from Switzerland. And they had a small farm up in the Forestville area in Northern California. We'd go up there a lot. But anyway, when he died, I must have been about five years old. And I just remember going up to the casket at the funeral home. And I got up to the front and I probably don't really know what's going on. And, and my dad just kind of let his, let his stuff go or whatever. He just, you know, just, he didn't you know, start all out bawling, but just the fact he was crying. I, I remember looking up at him and just going, wow. You know, I guess even at that age, I already know uh, men aren't supposed to cry, but I, I just looked up and I, and I think that's probably maybe the beginning. I certainly didn't realize it then of, of realizing what a human kind of guy he was and not, he didn't take any of that, you know, not supposed to cry tough too serious. It's same thing. My sister got married, you know, 20 years later, or whatever. He cried like a baby. And just seeing that humanness was part of what one of the qualities that, that he shared with all of his friends. To say he was emotional might make it sound like he cried all the time. I mean, but that, that's not what I mean by that. I just mean his uh, graciousness and his appreciativeness of everything was so strong. And I think those are examples of that humanness, like I said. It's another way of saying that people really mattered to him. They mattered deeply. A- absolutely. And, and you know, I, I've tried to measure myself a little bit because I, I think staying in touch with people and, and trying to listen is something that's really important to me. But it, it's, it, for me, it's kind of a learned discipline. I have to practice it. And, and some of it's just out of knowing it's important. I mean, with my dad, it was just, that's just the way he was. He just oozed the sincerity of just more naturally than where it's, it's kind of a craft that I, I have to, I mean, I feel it, but it feels like it's something that I work at a little bit more for him. It's just the way he was, you know, he woke up that way. You, we've been concentrating on Pat, the son now, now Pat, the father, your kids are old enough now to uh, be adults. And you, you look back on your uh, fathering experience. What would you do differently? I, I guess in the nut from a cocky sense, I'll probably not too much different. I, I, I think that, I think really it's a pairing thing. I really look at the couple, the parents rather than as a unit. Then, and I think the yin and yang of what we had was probably, I, I worked out really well. I mean, we've got two great kids. What would I change? I don't know. I look back, my daughter's married with two kids and, and all that kind of stuff. Shane's still kind of finding his way at 31. And he's got a girlfriend and a job and all that kind of stuff. But he, I, I just wonder sometimes, I guess if I ever question myself, if that's what you search for a little bit, I, I'd, I'd be curious. Shane had ADHD as a youngster when they were just kind of figuring out what it was. And so I, I think sometimes I look back and he might have more discipline today if we would have been a little more disciplined then. But we played more to the soft side because he was very sensitive about, about that condition, even though picking him aside from any of the other five or 10 years old where that was going on was virtually impossible. But I mean, clinically, we knew it was part of his being. So I, I guess I look back at that a little bit and just say, I, I question whether if we would have been maybe more, a little more structured then rather than trying to work him through a tough time. But I look back at what, what your heart feels at that moment. And that's the, you know, I'd feel the same way. I haven't changed. I don't see myself even now as have you have revved it up anymore, if you know what I mean? Mary Gallus was a great mother, or is a great mother, and was a great instinctual parent raising them and as a working guy. And we had the good, good fortune of her being able to stay at home 
after the first year or two. I always lean on the fact that she had more to do with raised him than me. She was here more. She did more of the disciplining and and more of the studying and all those kind of things. So I don't know. What would I change? I, I, my daughter was doing this story worth thing on the internet. It's kind of a thing where similar to this, you kind of tell your stories or whatever. And it, it just reminded me one of the questions of when did you know you were being a good parent? I said, I'll let you know when I get there. Because <laughs> uh, I don't think I've mastered it. And it's still a job you've got, but certainly a different one when the kids are growing up. Pat, here's a very different question, but it also calls on your imagination. I bet I know your dad's only been gone, you said, a year or two now, and not that much has passed. We've just been on all lockdown, so it feels like a lot's been on freeze. Mm-hmm. But if if you could reach out to your dad and tell him something that you hadn't had the chance to tell him, what would that be? I'd about tell him, it'd be more like maybe ask him. Yeah, uh, because I mean, we were pretty open about everything and we didn't have any problems. Our family, uh, me and my dad as father and son didn't have any problem telling him, you know, with regularity that we loved each other and we're very open about that. And I kind of think I, I would probably ask him and maybe in over time I did a little bit, but I'd, I'd love to ask him a little bit about as I age and, and a little bit about the courage and, and that kind of stuff that it took it took to get old. He was very, he was really pretty blessed and healthy to the last year or two. So he didn't go through what a lot of people go through, but uh, just the aches and pains, the everyday aches and pains that, that mount. I mean, they're going to recede at this stage and, and ask him how he, uh, or I guess maybe tell him a little bit how proud I am with now that I'm learning a little bit as I get older and, and uh, aches and pains and those sort of things kind of get in there and you got to manage them and that kind of stuff. And uh, how proud I was and my mom too, for that matter, that she certainly had a less healthy experience and she passed away about nine years ago, I guess. One of the interesting things about my dad is his mom passed away when he gave birth or or giving birth to him. It wasn't uh, uh, complications from the birth, but apparently she had pneumonia when he was born like right around when and she passed away his dad and a couple aunts raised him and I think took the place of a mom but I, I would love to be able to drill down or take the opportunity to drill down on you know what that meant to him uh, I mean reality did he I never saw any uh, guilt or any of that thing he had two brothers I heard through the family a little bit but they I mean they were they were all they got along okay and everything but was there any ever stuff particularly in their youth that might have nicked him a little bit or left him with some some scars that would never know about and he's not he's not the guy that was ever about to to talk about those things so I think I think there's a couple things there that I would uh, I'd probably want to approach him on Mm, very tender questions I I think about that uh, what you're talking about uh there's nobody left that can tell my tell me what my dad was like when he was 16 or 13 yeah. or 21 and it would be great to be able to time travel and see your dad at uh, 16 and what kind of uh, trouble did he get into and what kind of a kid he was and so I'm curious Pat so you, your son comes to you next week and says he's going to be a father and he wants some advice what would you say I would just urge him to take all the time you all the time you can with him and know that that's the most important job you've got the rest of your life. And when you're done with whatever, if you decide to have a high profile professional life or if 
or if you opt for something that plays less a role in, in your active life or whatever, that that's the only thing that matters at the end. And whether you got a pile of money or empty pockets or whatever you got, I mean, you, you look and Gary and the three of us, I mean, we, we look at ourselves and what are we left with our memories and our stories and, and what those people think of you. And when you're 30 years old or 31, as Shane is, he's got a lot of life left, to, a lot of stories to tell, and he can still shape things. When you get to be our age, uh, I still think I mean, we've got plenty of life to live too. But the idea that there's going to be, the volume is going to be lower on those stories. And certainly what you alluded to, the number of people that can illuminate and communicate those stories at this stage is certainly a limited field. So it's all in front of you. And, and I, I, I think he, he'll make a great dad. He's a loving guy in his heart. And I, I would just tell him, remember, this, this is all there is at the end. So work on it harder than anything else. Excellent advice. I think you're, you're right to uh, being present and listening. And that seems to be the ongoing theme of uh, the keys to great fatherhood is being there and, and, and listening and loving. And so Pat, we thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Pat. Very nice meeting you. Likewise. Thanks, Eddie. And that's our show for today. And I want to remind you to go to our website. You can contribute your stories to Daddy Never Cried. And all the instructions are there on the website. And we'll see you next time on Daddy Never Cried. For the good and the bad, I'm just like my dad. Daddy never cried. For the good and the bad, I'm just like my dad, my daddy never cried.